When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Well, how's this for a score? 8-0 Columbus leading Montreal in the NHL tonight after two periods. It is 8-0 for Columbus. Al Montoya in net for the Canadians. He has allowed eight goals on 32 shots. What are some of the stats here for Columbus? Uh, Alexander Wenberg has four assists. Cam Atkinson, two goals. Uh, Nick Foligno has two goals and an assist. 8 Nothing. The Blue Jackets leading the Canadians after two. The Red Wings lead the Jets 2-1. That one is late in the second period. Coyotes and Ducks face off uh, in about an hour. Your scoreboard presented by Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, you can call 310-GLASS today. Six minutes left in the third quarter in Ottawa. The Blue Bombers leading the Red Blacks 23-17. If Winnipeg wins, that means Edmonton will play in the Eastern Division side of the playoff draw. A Winnipeg win would also give them a chance at second in the West, but for that to happen, BC would have to lose to Saskatchewan tomorrow. That is unlikely to happen. The Toronto Raptors lead the Miami Heat 69-55 with four and a half minutes left in the third quarter. The Edmonton Oil Kings are about to face off in Moose Jaw. Later on tonight, you'll hear from uh, Warriors head coach Tim Hunter. Obviously, I taped the interview with him this afternoon. He's going to be coaching Team WHL Monday in Prince George and then Tuesday at Rogers Place here at Edmonton, part of the uh, Canada-Russia series. So uh, the two uh, WHL games coached by Tim Hunter, he'll be on the show to tee that up for us. You can always text 630-630. Fireman says, brutal. What I hear Jay Woodcroft saying is moral victory, blah, blah, blah. We need to be better, and then again, moral victory. Disappointing. What I was wanting, expecting to hear, was that we have to make changes, and our power play has cost us victories and points. Sick of coaches of past and now present saying we should have been better, but you know what? We hung in there, and we were unlucky to have not won. All right, somebody didn't enjoy the uh, Jay Woodcroft comments. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't know if he was saying moral victory. I think there was some recognition there that they didn't uh, do some things well enough. Um, yeah. I mean, they're still 7-3-1. and one. <laughs> big, big picture. Uh, the power play does have to be better. I was looking up some stats today. It went 3-for-10 in its first two games, 2-for-23 since then. So, yes, the execution has not been there. 
I don't know. But here's the thing. I, I think the coaching staff thinks that they generally have a system that can work better and that maybe there have been some execution deficiencies and that maybe some chances to score have been missed. I, I, that's the impression I get from talking to Jay and hearing other comments about the power play. Um, so we'll see. They're, they changed some personnel. Chris Russell got to play on it a little bit yesterday. Maybe they, they shake up the units a bit tomorrow, given that they uh, shake up the lines. So we'll see. You can text 630-630. All right, Eskimos and Argos tomorrow. Our coverage will start at 1230 with Dave Campbell and Morley Scott. Morley, thanks for sticking around. How are you doing? I am great, Reed. I'm looking forward to finally doing a game from Commonwealth Stadium tomorrow. Of course, it's been a long, long time. Eskimos, 42 days between games at Commonwealth. Ridiculous. All right. So the, the last game, they beat BC in late September, if I remember. They win three or four on the road, which helped uh, cement the playoff positioning. So now we'll find out uh, pretty soon here where they're going to go. I was just looking at the depth chart for tomorrow's game. I was expecting to see your name on it because anybody even remotely associated with the green and gold apparently gets a shot tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's going to be it's going to be interesting because there's going to be some guys playing that uh, a lot of people don't even know are on the team. I mean, Bryant Mitchell's been here all year long on the practice roster. Had a pretty good training camp, good preseason, but has been on the PR waiting for a chance. It's finally going to come for him because we won't see a Darius Bowman or Darrell Walker tomorrow. We'll see them. They'll be dressed. They'll be in uniform. They'll be on the sidelines, but I doubt we'll see them on the field whatsoever uh, in the football game tomorrow. So, yeah, it's uh, a lot of people are going to play. A lot of regulars aren't going to play or aren't going to play a lot if they're dressed in the game. And that, that includes on the offensive side, Bowman, uh, Walker, and John White, who are all listed as backups on okay. the depth chart. So it's been a long time since the Darius Bowman's been listed as a backup, I'll tell you that. All right, so guys getting arrested. Sherritt's not in. Uh, is, is, is anybody actually legitimately hurt, though? Uh, that yeah, oh, I, I think I think that is uh, that is a fact. There are guys who are hurt. Courtney Kuhorn's hurt. Marcus Howard didn't practice all week. Okay. Uh, Kenny Ladder didn't practice all week. Mike Miller uh, didn't practice all week. Sherritt practiced but won't play. Uh, Brandon Thompson practiced but won't play. They're on the injured list. Tony Washington didn't practice all week. Pat Watkins didn't practice all week. Marcel Young didn't practice all week. Okay. So those are guys are all on the one-game injured list. Now, but not all injured. I don't know what the approach is for the Eskimos, uh, and they probably wouldn't tell us if we asked them, but if you're just resting a guy, do you not practice him? If you put them on the one-game list, or do you practice them and not play them? Like Ottawa practiced all their guys all week and then made a mockery of the one-game injury <laughs> list by pricing uh, Henry Burris and their entire receiving core on the one-game injury list. Right, so they're not uh, actually hurt. Tonight. So they're not actually hurt. I, I hope they'll be okay. So Sherritt's them. not hurt at all. I, I don't believe so. He practiced, okay. uh, for, I believe, for the most part this week. But there are guys who are hurt, and I'm, I'm sure there's legitimate concerns uh, for guys like Watkins and right. Thompson, guys who ha we have seen get hurt in games and leave. All right, so do we expect Riley to start Get a, get a quarter maybe, or how far is he away from the team record? I expect Riley to get about 110 yards worth of playing time. Okay. Uh, that's then, how much so, he needs. So that's a single-season passing record. Yeah, and, and ironically, it's to break Ricky Ray's record. Okay. He'll be operating on the other side of the field, but he might not even get enough time to do that. Uh, Rick, uh, I think Riley's going to start the game, and I think he's going to go a couple, three series, and that will be about it. Maybe the first quarter, that's about it. As he said to me today, you'll see me, but you won't. I don't think you'll see me for very long. Jason Moss is... Uh, 
Uh, he is not. He was asked about it today at his news conference, and he said, uh, "I believe the phrase was, I 'I we don't give a crap about records,' uh, right? <laughs> because uh, Riley is chasing Ricky Ray's record, and Darius Bowman's only 52 yards off the Eskimos' record uh, for reception yards at a season, but." Jason Moss is so good at keeping the greater good in his in his main sight lines that he's going to keep those guys on the sidelines for most of the game. I believe all of the game for Bowman. They're not going to get a chance to set those records, but uh, they're going to be in a good position to help the team win another Grey Cup, which is the most important thing. Okay, so it'll be, uh, I guess, uh, Zilstra becomes the Eskimos' number one Number one receiver, receiver tomorrow. Yeah. The, receiving core, the receiving core tomorrow is going to be uh, Brandon Zilstra, Bryant Mitchell, Devin Bailey, Chris Getzlaff and Nate Ajay. So Getzlaff and Zilster have been yeah. playing, and yeah. Bailey's been a backup. Ajay, we haven't seen uh, for Ajay, a while. He's he started uh, three games. Okay, so yeah, he started early in the year when Kuhorn was hurt the first time around. So, all right, well, this will be interesting. Morley Scott, Eskimos play-by-play voice, joining us on Inside Sports. Eskimos and Argos on six thirty. Chad, the coverage will start at twelve thirty tomorrow. So you mentioned Riley's going after Ricky Ray's uh, Eskimos single-season passing record. Uh, it, it'll be interesting tomorrow. Uh, I, I mean, I, I wonder for how many fans tomorrow as the game goes on, this becomes about maybe, maybe, we, we may not know for a while, but maybe saying farewell to Ricky Ray. I mean, you, you wonder if uh, there's going to be a little bit extra for him tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I know you talked to him earlier this week, and uh, we talked to him today at, at Commonwealth, and there's, uh, uh, I know you got it up on your on your uh, Inside Sports page. Uh, you got the audio up, and we got a video up of him today talking about it. And yeah, it might be. And he doesn't, hasn't shied away from saying, yeah, I got to think about it this year. This might be the year. Uh, I asked him if, if it's a decision you think he's going to make right away, and it sounded like probably within a month or so he'll have decided to uh either go back to uh back to the weight room or back to the snack room uh and and have some have some chips and pop for the rest of the uh the off season but yeah uh great career everyone has so many great things to say about ricky ray i didn't get to watch i got to watch him for two years uh and i mean he's he is spent splendid just a great quarterback good guy and uh it, it's kind of cool even he said it today it's kind of neat that i'm going to get my 200th start in the same place i got my one on my first start uh as an eskimo and now as an argo at commonwealth and he kind of hinted that that'd be kind of a neat way to wrap it all up in a bow but no decision's been made yet but i hope the fans do recognize that and we've talked a lot about it uh this week i hope the fans do recognize the fact that this could be the last time you're seeing ricky ray play uh football and i mean He's going to the Hall of Fame. There's no doubt about that. He's going up on the Eskimos' wall. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he might be on the Eskimos' sidelines at some point. As long as Jason well, that's Moss. interesting too. Yeah, you know, if, he yeah. Just, if, and, he, and, if he's one day an Eskimo again in a different capacity. Yeah, Jason Moss and him are close friends. I mean, they were roommates when they played together. They played together for a long time. Moss coached him in Toronto when he was an assistant coach with the Argos uh, before he moved on to Ottawa. Uh, and Moss this week when asked about him has just talked in glowing terms about Ricky Ray like everyone else does except for Eric Tillman <laughs> and, uh, and just talked and, and I, that's why I think that that there's a, a chance that uh, maybe he would be come here if there's an opening and of course there has to be an opening there has to be a spot for him and maybe they'll make a spot for him and maybe he wants to take a year off before he gets into coaching he did say today that he wants to coach and he wants to coach in the cfl uh but he might also if he retires take a year off like Kelvio did take a year off right uh spend uh spend a summer with your family uh and then come back after that well it's it's interesting how ray 
is remembered, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself because, uh, you know, he, like you said, he still could play another year. But, I mean, obviously it, incredible how he, he burst onto the scene. I, I mean, I can remember that 2002 season. Jason Moss got hurt, and I think Ricky Ray mopped up in a game in, in Regina, it might have been. And then it was just like, oh, because the previous season, Moss has, had replaced Neilon Green and was mm-hmm. the guy. And then Ricky's first start, I can remember watching it on TV. Work, and that was because Moss had a back injury, I think. And, and, and Ray starts against the Lions. First drive, takes him down the field. I think he threw four touchdown passes. And then he and Moss kind of were in and out a little bit. But Ray had the job by the Grey Cup. And then they lose in 2 win in 3 goes to the NFL in 4 They win again in 5 when he comes back. And then I, I think, for me anyway, I'll, I'll always kind of think of, you know, the last couple of years with Danny Machocha, not great teams and maybe an overly conservative offense. You know, mm-hmm. now Ray was always kind of had that more conservative streak to him, I think, when it came to decision-making. And then they had a pretty good year before he got traded. I mean, they had they tied good, for best, the best record, best in, the record in the league. Right, yeah, for sure. 11-7 and seven that year, finished second on tiebreakers. Uh, but, yeah, uh, he's going to be – Jason Moss said it this week. He's in the conversation as one of the best to ever play the game when he retires. And that pretty much sums up. You know, and to me, everyone's got their own memories of me. You have yours. Mine are my first two years doing Eskimo games, and it was Ray to Stamps. Ray to Stamps. Right. Ray to Stamps. And, and it was magic. It worked so well. Uh and you know it's 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 going to be tough when he goes because he's meant so much to so many people. We'll have really interesting comments from Moss on the pregame show tomorrow. Jason Moss talking about uh, about Ricky Ray, also from uh, Eskimos uh, quarterback Mike Riley, who I'm paraphrasing now, but kind of said when he got here, he always felt the shadow of Ricky Ray over his shoulder because everyone compares him to Ricky Ray and everything. And and he's obviously a different style of quarterback and a different kind of player, but he's obviously since Ray now become the face of the franchise. All right, look forward to that. Morley, thanks for sticking around. You bet, Reed. Morley, Scott, Dave Campbell, they are on the air at 12.30 tomorrow for the pregame show. Game starts at 2. Remember Daryl Mookie Mitchell, recently inducted into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. He'll be honoured during the game tomorrow, and I, I believe uh, Morley and Dave are going to have him on the pregame show, so that'll be fun. Uh, football game. 2 o'clock hockey game at 5, Oilers against the Islanders. Big doubleheader on 630 Chet. All right, 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. In a few minutes after the 730 news, we will go to Chicago. My goodness, what a party it has been there over the last couple of days. Kevin Powell from WGN Radio will join us. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Reach your goals with Nate's Continuing Education November Trade Course Offerings. Choose from a variety of general interest and trade skills training courses, including woodworking, finish your basement refrigeration, and welding metal art courses. Nate's flexible learning pathways include evening and weekend options. Whether you're just starting your career or want to develop new skills, you'll find your fit at Nate. For more information and to enroll, visit nate.ca slash coned. Thousands of names inscribed on cenotaphs across the country. Sons, daughters, husbands and fathers. We can never begin to repay them, but we can remember every one of them. Canadian Fallen Heroes is looking for photographs and biographies of fallen soldiers. Visit CanadianFallenHeroes.com to submit information on a soldier or learn how you can support this cause. Thank you, Star Plumbing and Heating, Connolly McKinley Funeral Homes, and Acrevis Machine Incorporated. Visit CanadianFallenHeroes.com.
This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. Still 8 nothing. Columbus leading the Canadians in the NHL tonight. 13 minutes left in that game. After two, Red Wings are up 2-1 on the Jets. Oil Kings in Moose Jaw, no score, nine minutes into that game. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. My name is Reed Wilkins. Matthew Panaschik is our studio producer on the other side of the window. Matthew, old boy, how are you doing? Excellent, Reed. Looking forward to a great doubleheader of, of hockey and also football tomorrow with the Eskimos playing and the Orders and the Otters. I will be operating the uh, Eskimos game tomorrow during the afternoon. All You'll right. have Kellen Kennedy tomorrow night. Well, I'll, uh, I'll see you. Well, I will go to the first half of the Eskimos game as there will not be a face-off show. So I will uh, go to the first half of the Eskimos game and then uh, meander my way to the 6.30 Jet Studio to uh, do intermissions on the post-game show and all that kind of fun stuff. Fun day in Chicago. Ryan Burrow on the scene. Go Cubs, go! Cubs manager Joe Madden hoisting the World Series trophy for the estimated 5 million fans at the parade and rally. Welcome to Cubstock 2016. Look at this thing. Video board showed the dramatic Game 7 extra inning World Series win in Cleveland that included a rain delay. President of Baseball Operations Theo Epstein remembering late great Cubs Ernie Banks and Ron Santo. Thank you Ernie. Thank you Ronnie for that rain. Many players vying to return to the same stage next year. Ryan Burrow, ABC News, Chicago. Same stage next year. Let's not get greedy, Chicago. Jeez. Okay, the drought's over. That's good. Uh, you were saying, Matthew, you appreciated the, uh, the, 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 it was the second commercial, I believe, after they won on Fox. Oh, unbelievable. The first one, the I Harry think, was Carey the Nike commercial. commercial. Then they had the Harry Carey Budweiser commercial oh. where he caught a bud in a fishing net in the bleachers. <laughs> Have you been to Wrigley Field? You've been to quite a few classic stadiums. No, but I've been to the uh, Guaranteed Loans Field or whatever it's called. Guaranteed Right Field. That's the Chicago White Sox Stadium. I've been to that one, but I've never been to a Cubs game like, before. That's great. So. Even if even if somebody knew nothing about baseball, <laughs> like just find somebody in another country that knows nothing about baseball. I just ask them, would you want to go to a game at Wrigley Field or Guaranteed Right Field? Hopefully you'd pick Wrigley Field. I hope so too. Uh, Kevin Powell knows all about Wrigley Field. He's a reporter with WGN Radio in Chicago. He was at Game 7 of the World Series. He will give us a first-hand account of the festivities. That'll be fun. Tim Hunter, former Oilers nemesis, now the head coach of the Moose Jaw Warriors, will join us this evening as well. It's Inside Sports on 630. Ched, we're at halftime. Thanks for listening. Talk to you after the news. Listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Well, no doubt a lot of singing, dancing, and all forms of partying in Chicago over the last couple of days. We will go there in a few seconds, but I do want to keep you updated on that hockey game going on in Columbus tonight. It is now 10 nothing for the Blue Jackets leading the Montreal Canadiens. 10-0 Columbus over Montreal, seven and a half minutes to go. The Canadians had not lost a game in regulation time. Barring a comeback, they will this evening. That is a stunner tonight. 
Red Wings up 2-1 on the Jets early in the third. CFL tonight, Winnipeg 30, Ottawa 20 with 10 minutes left. So the Eskimos that far away from knowing for sure that they will cross over into the East Division for the upcoming playoffs. Well, the Cubs got it done. A dramatic series, an incredible season for them. And uh, we're going to go to Chicago and welcome to the show Kevin Powell with WGN Radio in Chicago. Kevin, you're on with Reed Wilkins. Thanks so much for your time. How was your day? <laughs> it was a long day, Reed. It's been, um, first of all, it's a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for having me. Uh, the past three to four weeks have just sort of been a blur. I think that's for the fans, for the media, for the players. It's just a... Uh, it's just impressive, really, what they've done. I mean, spring training, when I was out there, they they sort of put expectations on themselves that, that they are a championship-contending team. This is a team that can compete for a title, and they lived up to all the expectations, and they had all that pressure on and the weight on their shoulders, and they lived up to it. It's not often you see a professional team have come in as the heavy favorites and 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 leave as the champions and, and leave as the favorites for next season it was it was just sort of in some ways a perfect season for them everything just kind of clicked up and down uh the roster the manager joe madden it, it sort of trickles down from him his attitude towards everything um just a really a fun team and a bunch of good guys in the clubhouse well that's a good that's a good point i mean this was not unexpected i mean you we can go back and look at the preseason predictions. It's a team's never unanimous, but I don't think it surprised anybody that that the Cubs were uh, were a very good team. But what was the mood in the city and with the fan base when they were down three one? Was it like, oh, at least we got this far? Was it, oh my God, you know, it's going to fall apart again? What what was that that twenty four hour span like from them going down three one to then you know keeping it alive with the win in Game Five? Well, obviously, from past experiences with the Chicago Cubs, I think a lot of fans had a a sick feeling in their gut. It it was sort of flashbacks to to prior seasons and prior heartbreak and prior disappointment. But I think for some older generations, it probably felt that way for them a little bit more. I think for some younger, some, some millennials, some newer generations of the Cubs, I don't think they thought that so much. And I think that's what made this 2016 Cubs different was that it's made up of a lot of younger guys. And, of course, they they knew the drought. They know the magnitude of this win. But they just really like to go out and have fun. And when they were down 3-1, Chris Bryant, uh, just 23, 24 years old, he talked about that. He goes, look, we need to just get out there, have a smile on our face, and have fun. Because that's what this team's about. It, it, they're the 2016 Cubs. They're not cubs of prior years there was there was none of that sort of weighing on them just because they didn't think that way they thought this is their own self-contained team this is a team that's that has built their own identity so yeah sure they're down 3-1 but this team as they talked about it and david ross who was sort of the guy who a big leader on the team went out uh, in an incredible fashion um, you know, he rallied them, and he said, guys, look, we, we've won three games in a row plenty times this year. Not to mention we've got Jake Arrieta, John Lester, and Kyle Hendricks all lined up for the next three games. you got to feel pretty good about that. But, um, you know, I think so. I think people just immediately, because it is the Cubs fan base, just goes back to the prior disappointment. But I think there was also the just the, 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 the knowledge that this, this is a different team. They just felt different all year. They really did. Kevin Powell joining us from WGN Radio in Chicago. You were at Game 7, Kevin? I was. All right, so tell me 
where you were for the the final out, what it was like in the locker room, or, you know, <laughs> wherever you want to go well, with that. Well, yeah, well, I'll even go a little bit step ahead. When I rolled this Chapman gave up the three-run homer to Davis, the sound in progressive field was unlike anything I've heard before because it was about 50-50 Cubs-Indians fans. So you heard the shrieking and the terror in Cubs fans' voices, and then you heard, of course, the cheering with the Indian fans. It was... It was an unbelievable moment from an unbelievable game. And then, you know what? It, 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 not to sound like um, I called it or anything like that, but it really wasn't all that surprising to see the Cubs come back in the 10th inning and, and string those hits together and do what they do and put good at-bats together because it was such a contagious thing with this offense that has so many big bats that anytime somebody gets going and it's Kyle Schwarber of all people, what an incredible story that was, he gets it going with a base hit. And then the rest is history. They string a bunch of hits together. Zobers comes through. Montero comes through. The clubhouse was, um, how would I put it? There was there was champagne being popped. There was there were tears being shed. There was a lot of hugging, a lot of laughing. Uh, Bill Murray, you know, I'm walking around the corner. All of a sudden, I go, there's Bill Murray, maybe the biggest and most well-known <laughs> Cub fan. He's spraying champagne, sipping from the bottle. He's he's interviewing the players because he's a fan of the team. You know, he's a bigger star than all of them, but he didn't care. He's in there having a good time. So it was uh, an unbelievable uh, a time. And, and then back here in Chicago today, it was just, it was a sea of blue, as we've sort of been calling it. It was blue skies, unbelievable weather here in Chicago, and five million people estimated in the streets of Chicago that came here for the parade and then the rally in Grant Park, and it was just all blue, uh, all happiness, and just kind of, again, a surreal moment, uh, a surreal day for Cub fans and uh, Chicago sports fans, I think sports fans across the country. Kevin, I, I've been joking because sometimes I get a little bit sarcastic. It's like, hey, 2004 <laughs> never happened, White Sox. Good for you. No one cares. But seriously, though, give give me the – I mean, that, to me, that was a big deal that the White Sox won because they had a big drought. The, the city itself in baseball had a big drought. But, uh, I mean, is there a comparison between these two yeah, wins? I, mean, or? I don't think anything compared to the Cubs, though. This, this is different. I mean, the White Sox won was – in 05 was – Girl five, sorry. Incredible and amazing, and the fan base was huge, and there was a huge parade downtown. But I think just the Cubs, you know, it, I've always sort of joked, yeah, they're a storied franchise, but they're, the, most of the stories are about losing. So <laughs> I think everybody sort of, you know, was clinging on to those, not, not as a sign of pride or anything like that. It was almost just more of a comical thing. So I just think there were so many... With the Cubs, they have a larger fan base than the White Sox. And I think the, the Cubs fan base is global, to be honest. And there's been so many references with the Cubs culturally, whether it be in a movie, we've seen it back to the future, whether it's jokes on sitcom TV or just a, an easy go-to joke for anybody was, was Cubs not winning. So I think it just was more ingrained in people that the Cubs lose. That's what they do. Where the White Sox, I think, I think when the White Sox were making their run, I think people were like, oh, they haven't won in eighty something years. I don't. I don't think, you know, where where most common sports fans could be like, yeah, Cubs haven't won in a hundred plus years, right? Just because people know that. Where the White Sox was, some people probably didn't even realize they were in a drought until it was mentioned in the postseason and things like that. I mean, obviously locally we knew that, but it was nothing. It was nothing like the Cubs. I mean, that's for sure. And uh, the White Sox are um, you know, plenty of fans here in Chicago for the White Sox, but it, this this was different. This was different for sure. Give me a sense of Kevin. I think I got to ask you a hockey question because uh, I'm in Edmonton. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. 
Uh, give, us, give us a sense of, of the Blackhawks, where they mm-hmm. sort of sit on the landscape now, because obviously uh, a, a team that went a decade, I think, with one playoff victory, not series, mm-hmm. one game, and poor mm-hmm. attendance. I mean, I'm talking for, as an outsider here, but it looked like poor yeah. attendance and maybe lower down on the on, on, on the ranking system. It, are, are they resurgent? Are they, are they, I mean, I know there's an NFL team, but are they... A second to the Cubs, do they rival the Bears or the Bulls? Like, where do the Hawks fit in? Well, I'm glad you brought that up. The WGM, we're the flagship station for them. So I was hoping we could talk a little hockey here. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. The Blackhawks, look, three Stanley Cups in six years. They, they've had their parades. Um, they've become experts at parades at this point. They really have. The last one ended in Soldier Field. The, the prior two were in Grant Park, where the Cubs held it today, um, just on the lakefront there, downtown Chicago. Um, the, the Blackhawks, I would say this, that after their last one, they were the hottest team in town. I'd say that. I mean, they they have they have turned people who probably didn't even like hockey or follow the Blackhawks into diehards in a matter of a few years. I mean, people that are diehard Blackhawk fans now. I mean, they are right up there. Now, the, the Bears are horrible. Um, the Bulls have lost a little relevancy, although they look okay this year. The White Sox are really bad. Um, the, the Cubs are sort of still on the show, obviously, the past couple of years, but the Blackhawks um, are beloved in this town now, and it wasn't like that 10 years ago. I mean, it is sellout after sellout. It's probably the hottest ticket in town is to go to a Blackhawks game at any, at any point of the season. I mean, it really is. So um, what what they've done, what John McDonough, the president of the Blackhawks, and Stan Bowman, the general manager, what they've been able to do, building around the core, and, and they're so good at branding. I mean, that's from the genius of John McDonough. The branding and the marketing of this Blackhawks team is – is unbelievable what they've done. I mean, they turned a, a, an organization that the, the interest was zero, was little to zero in this town. I mean, they had hit rock bottom, and then Rocky Words, the chairman, takes over. John McDonough gets on board, and they've turned things around because they're winning and their PR is there. So, um, I will say this though: the Chicago Bears. It is a Chicago Bears town for as bad as they are. But you can talk Chicago Bears 365 days a year in this <laughs> town, and it's pretty similar with the Cubs. It is, but the but what the Blackhawks have done has been pretty special. So they're they're right up there with with interest and a fan base and the excitement around the Hawks because they're contenders every year. Well, and they're a fun team to watch in, in a yeah. in a sport that has become, uh, you know, in the views of, of a lot of fans, uh, maybe overly. Defensive. Yeah, and, they're they're always they're think, still go. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I sorry to cut you up, but that's such a good point because I've I've always said about Patrick Kane, where you can take a common hockey fan who maybe doesn't see some of the X's and O stuff and sort of the strategy, but you can you can put a common hockey fan or a common sports fan down and say, watch this watch number 88 watch what he does and they'll be interested because Patrick Kane is so fun to watch and and what he does is like nobody else in the entire National Hockey League so I think they have found a way from again the marketing but just sort of the guys they brought in with Taves and Kane who have just been so fun to watch that I think you don't have to be a hockey hockey expert like I know you guys are up there you can take a guy somebody who's maybe learning the game and they they can get interested in it faster than maybe in the past or with different teams because you watch and it's it's like you know they're like the the, the Showtime Lakers but on ice it's just so fun to watch them and especially Patrick Kane and then when you learn the game a little bit more you see how special Jonathan Taves is the way he plays both ends of the of the rink so um, 
they they really have built a special team with, with the Blackhawks. Well, Kevin, thanks for that perspective. I, I know you've uh, you've had a pretty incredible experience covering the Cubs for the last few weeks, though. You, you're probably going to be getting some sleep this weekend, so I wish you all the best <laughs> yeah, in that regard. Game plan. <laughs> Kevin, I hope I we appreciate can... you having me, Reed. It was a pleasure talking to you guys. Let's do it again sometime. Thanks, Kevin. Anytime you need. Thank you. Bye. That is Kevin Powell checking in from WGN Radio in Chicago. He was at Game 7 talking about the parade today, and uh, he loves a little hockey talk as well. Great to have Kevin on the show. That was good stuff. It is 7.47. It is 33.20. Blue Bombers leading Ottawa, getting into the uh, uh, latter stages of the fourth quarter there. So it looks like the Eskimos are going to finish fourth in the West and go East. Got a really good text from Tom about championship trophies. It's quite clever. We'll get to that when we get back. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 6.30 Chad. All right. All right. It's now a final. Columbus 10. Montreal Canadiens nothing. That's accurate. Wow. I'm not. I haven't been drinking. I'm not hallucinating. I, I'm not. I'm not reading out false scores under threats of physical harm. That actually happened. Blue Jackets ten, Canadians nothing. They put more points on the board than Seattle, and Seattle and Arizona did pretty much the whole game. Almost as many points. Uh, what did that that six, ended nine six. six? Well, that only had five scoring plays. Exactly, more scoring plays. <laughs> Double the scoring plays, Reed. Oh no, no, it ended six six. Sorry, it yes. was six six. Yes, six six. Uh, wasn't it three three after regulation? They each got field goals. Yes, yeah, so then they beat. Then they both missed a bunch of field goals. It was hilarious. Uh, so ten nothing. The Montreal Canadiens suffered their first regulation loss of the year. Boy, I'd hate to be the poor sap hosting their post-game show tonight. <laughs> <laughs> First game of the year. It doesn't matter if you're English or French down there. You're probably going to get a load of phone coach. calls. You're going to fire the coach. All right, this is a good text from Tom. This is, I, I really like this one, actually. Tom says, can we agree that the three professional American sports trophies are the ugliest things? A football pops out of a pedestal, a basketball that will likely rim out, and a World Series trophy that looks like it's ready to roast hot dogs. Just saying. That is a text from Tom to 630-630. That's a good point. Uh, You can't drink out of any of them, right? Nope. And it's a different trophy every year. Right, they like they make a new trophy for each year. It's not like the Stanley Cup is the same trophy that the team got last year. I mean, I know there are a couple of cups, and it's been, you know, fixed up several times. But it's generally the same cup year to year, right? Whereas in uh, all the other sports, you win. And let's face it, how lame is it? Like, what what happened when Chicago won? The owner got it, then the the GM or whatever Epstein's title is, the GM got it, then the manager got it. Then I think they let a player touch it, right? And it's all in the baseball one. They always they they do it in in a locker room. Even if even if the home team wins, right? They do it in a locker room. 
the the Stanley Cup's the the best presentation. I mean, at least the Great or the, not the Great Cup, which is a good presentation as well. At least the uh, NBA and the Super Bowl, they kind of set up a stage and at least have it in front of the crowd. But it but it's always the owner gets it first. The NHL, the owner's not even around for it. They don't even he's usually not even on the ice, is he? Maybe well, maybe he comes out later. I think Mario came out later that one year. Pittsburgh got it. But the Stanley Cup tradition, clearly the best one. Clearly the best one. I mean, do you yeah. not want the captain getting the trophy? And also read the handshake. The handshake is pure class and sportsmanship for NHL well, hockey. Well, here's the thing. There's usually, there's usually limited handshaking in basketball and football. I mean, football, and even in the regular season, football does handshakes, right? Coaches but you often, handshake. coaches, and I mean, if you're a player, the quarterback will shake the other quarterback's hand, maybe a receiver, and then the DB that was covering most. I mean, there's there's a kind of a mix of certain guys. There's not a handshake line. Basketball, there will be kind of limited handshaking after a series. But the the, the baseball tradition is so weird. Well, not weird, but it, but it's like the winning team runs out. They're celebrating all over the field. And the losing team just, like, sits there in the dugout and looks dejected. Like, they don't even leave. I would just leave. If there's not a handshake, just leave. Why do you have to sit there and look all forlorn about it? Well, I guess they're celebrating on my home field. We were up 3-1 in the series. Oh, well, I better just sit here and stare blankly at it. But it, it, you know what? It would be cool some some year in baseball if a team won a series, they ran out on the field and celebrated for like a minute, and then the captain said, "Okay, wait, let's stop for a second, lined up and walk towards the other team team's dugout, to shake hands." I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's different because baseball doesn't have the physical confrontation that especially uh, hockey and football have. So maybe you you don't get that sense of okay we really battled each other now let let's shake hands, but I I just think I, that I, ever since I was a kid I was just like why are they sitting there stare why does the losing team sit there and stare at the field just get out of there seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three you can text six thirty six thirty somebody asked how many goalies the Canadians went through tonight oh just one baby Montoya played the entire game. 10 goals on 40 shots. Columbus won at 10 nothing. Tell you how the Oil Kings are doing when we get back. 6:30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6:30 Chad.